Well, good morning, people of grace. It is great to gather with you in your living rooms. Uh, I want to start this morning by uh, expressing my appreciation to someone on our staff. Uh, this month is the 15th anniversary of Jeremiah Ebling. Uh, joining our staff, uh, Jeremiah, as many of you don't know, Jeremiah actually grew up in our church. Uh, he was in the children's ministry, the youth ministry. Now, can you imagine that when those people served in the children's ministry or the youth ministry, that they were starting the discipleship process with one of our pastors? Jeremiah is sitting right over here, and thank you, Jeremiah, for your service among us, for your leadership and staff. Uh, he served as associate youth. He served as youth ministry uh, pastor. Uh, he's been our family life uh, pastor and our adult discipleship pastor, actually doing both of those roles this, this past year while he's working on his doctorate. Jeremiah, you've served well. I thank the Lord for you. I appreciate you being a co-laborer uh, and a servant of God uh, among us. Thank you very much, buddy. Well, today, uh, I want to share with you my perspective on how we're doing. Uh, we've been in the middle of this whole thing now for an extended period of time. I want to be able to speak to you of what we're experiencing and how we're doing and hopefully to help you understand where we're going and, and, and preparing for the future. It has been 146 days. Uh, that since we first, since we last gathered on campus in a large group for fellowship and worship, 146 days. Back in March, uh, before this whole thing hit our city, I participated in a briefing for pastors with uh, uh, public health officials and epidemiologists, and they told us at that point to not go into this with a short-term mindset, that this thing could go 90 to 120 days before we got some semblance of normal again. Wrong. Well, if, if you've uh, been following the data that they provided us, uh, it can get a little confusing. Here's the, the Travis County simplified COVID dashboard. And then here's the second part of that. Well, I think that one tells us that we're doing a little bit better than we have been for the last weeks, but it's hard to follow. There's so much confusion and inf confusing information going on. But if you can't understand the dashboard, certainly you've been able to follow the kind of instructions that have been given in order for you to stay safe during this time and help us collectively suppress this virus. This is kind of what it sounds like. We want you to stay at home unless you need to leave your home to go get essential items or unless you're an essential worker, and the reason you'll know you're an essential worker is because you can't do your work from home and you have to go somewhere to do that. And go out for essentials, but we want you to know there's really no toilet paper shortage. We've just seemed to have misplaced a large quantity of it. 
But we'll find that and get back to you and make that available to you. And then there's this whole mask thing. Don't wear masks. Save those for the, for the uh, medical workers who need those. Well, you might think of wearing a mask because it might help. And you could actually make a, make a mask at home with a bandana and, and rubber bands and, and wear that. And only if you have to go out, wear that mask. And well, we, no, we'd like you to really consider wearing that mask. And no, we really want you to wear that mask. Please wear the mask whenever you have to go out. Unless you don't really like wearing a mask and don't feel like you look good in a mask. And so don't wear a mask, but we'd ask you, if you don't want to wear a mask, would you please stay at home? We'll bring you your toilet paper. It's a crazy time, a crazy time. And there's so much emotion swirling during this time of, in the, these, the, the, we have to acknowledge this gambit of emotion that's going on in people's lives. The fear, the anxiety, the anger at times, the confusion. But for us who know the Savior, we hear his sweet voice in our ears. And he says this to us, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And he will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We have a great Savior to walk with this, to guide us through this season of time. I have been in leadership positions since my senior year in high school. I've never seen such a time of uncertainty or chaos. There's no doubt there's going to be lots of research papers written on what was done well and not done well during this time. But that'll be all after the fact. Right now, we have to lead in real time. And I'm certainly glad that I don't have to lead alone in the midst of this. Grace, we are an elder-led church. This group of godly men provide leadership for us during this time. They love and care for the church. They gather twice a week on Tuesday and Sunday mornings, virtually and when possible in person, to pray for the church, to pray for us, to pray for you. They're concerned about our well-being they provide wise and biblical counsel to Matt and I as we lead the staff and lead the ministries. They're shepherds of the flock. This is what Paul told the elders at, at Ephesus in Acts 20. Keep watch over yourself. The, the term is actually be on guard for yourself. Be on guard over all believers. The Holy Spirit has made you uh, leaders over them. Be the shepherd of God's church. He bought it with his own blood. In Proverbs 27, it says, Be sure to know the condition of your flock. Give careful attention to your herds. 
Now, in order for a shepherd to be able to do that, he has to be among the flock. He has to pass through them. It's not some higher vantage point that they get and look down on the flock. They have to be among them and walk through them. These men know that they're going to answer to God for how they lead us. So pray for them. It's not easy. But they are certainly not looking to themselves for that wisdom. They're looking for wisdom from above, from the good and gracious shepherd that we follow. So today I want to answer the question, how are we doing as a church in an upside-down world? Well, as I reflected on that, to answer that question, we have to go back to what our core purpose is and our core purpose and our core values are. So we define our core purpose as to glorify God by guiding people to become like Christ in all of life. Our core values are to be transformed by grace and biblical truth, to be committed to relational discipleship, and to engage in ministry. See, we are seeking to, uh, uh, to fully align with Jesus' command to us in Matthew 28, 18. Uh, it, it, there it says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I am the sovereign Lord. I have a plan and the power to accomplish that plan is what that sentence means. Go there, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. As you go, surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. If we're not at the end of the age, it means he's still with us. He still has a plan. He's still executing that plan. He's still on mission. The philosophy of our ministry is built around this concept of relational discipleship. Relational discipleship is in the center of our bubble, our circle. The ministries around it are to align themselves or reflect that same concept of relational discipleship. Here's how we define what relational discipleship is. We are a community of believers where the Holy Spirit helps us become like Christ in all of life by the application of Scripture within the context of relationships. It's three components, spirit, truth, relationships. Now, we have not been able to gather for these 146 days uh, here on campus to worship. But I want you to know and understand we're still on mission. If our diagram looked like this, where worship was in the center of it, and all the ministry centered around worship, we'd be having difficulty fulfilling that, that core purpose. Worship is a part of what we do. It's not the core purpose of what we do. We're here to glorify God by guiding people to become like Christ in all of life. 
Part of my work as executive pastor is help the pastors and the ministry leaders to make sure that their ministries are in, in line with that, that they're focused on those kinds of things and relational discipleship, and their ministry reflects that. So let me give you an example of how we use this to evaluate a ministry or guide a ministry. I'm going to use missions as an example uh, here initially. For several years, we've been reevaluating our strategy of how to engage our congregation uh, in missions, both internationally and locally. We've actually subtly, you may not have noticed it yet, but changed the name of Global Outreach to Mobilization. We're still very committed to supporting uh, our world outreach and, and relief effort through our 80 missionaries around the world and 13 other organizations that we support. But we felt like we needed to engage our people, our congregation, in missions locally and internationally. So using the concept of relational discipleship, uh, we began to reevaluate and look at what we're engaged with. See, we want to have relational partnerships uh, with organizations that will involve our people as volunteers and our money as support, but focus relationally and spiritually. If you go to our website in the mobilization area, you'll see a number of organizations listed there. Each of these organizations have been vetted. Their primary ministry is relational discipleship too, the two particular audiences that they focus on. When you volunteer for one of these uh, efforts, you are gonna get involved in relational discipleship to a particular target group. Let me use an example of Mission Possible. Mission Possible started as a, as a ministry of Grace Covenant Church. And for 25 years, we've had people on staff there or volunteering there to serve the needs of people in East Austin. They do a great job with the homeless, with uh, low-income families in East Austin and in Pflugerville. If you volunteer with them in one of the many ways that you can do that, you'll be involved and in, you'll get connected in relationships for the purpose of having spiritual conversations. That's an expression of relationship, relational discipleship in missions. I could go through each one of these organizations uh, and explain to you how that's true. They do relational discipleship. That's why we partner with them. So that illustrates how we engage with relational discipleship and our core purpose and our values. But we can't lose sight of what God has called us to do as a church. So, in the middle of a pandemic, are we on track? During the last four months, we've not been idle. Uh, the day before <clears throat> um, we sent our staff home uh, to work from there, we adopted a thematic goal for the pandemic season. It was one word, thrive. See, we didn't want to just survive the pandemic. We wanted to thrive during it. We're still focused on the things that God has called Grace Covenant to do and to be. 
So let me show you how that's still true, how we're still on mission. During this time, we've, we've certainly been working around the campus and uh, the parking lot's ready for us to use whenever we can come back. We're live streaming our services now on Sunday morning. This is live. Uh, we're building a new classroom in the Grace 360 building. We are uh, installing what's called a bipolar ionization system into our HVAC systems of our buildings so that we can clean the air of viruses and mold and, and allergens so that we can have a healthier place to meet when we gather. We have set up and are testing and uh, systems even today so that we can get people safely in here. See that dot? Means I've been properly screened to be in this room. Thank you for letting me in. Uh, we're doing these things to return to campus, but we continue to be focused on our core purpose and our core values. We're still continuing to guiding people to be like Christ in all of life. We're doing that virtually, we're doing that face-to-face, -face, and we're doing it by caring for our flock. See, we've been connecting people. Virtually has certainly been a, an option for us. I know virtual meetings are not the same as face-to-face, -face, but they are better than not meeting at all. <clears throat> we've had quest groups and women's Bible study, mops groups, uh, racial awareness discussions, re-engage, celebrate recovery. Our, uh, some of our community groups have continued to meet virtually during this time and will continue to do so. They do it to stay in touch with one another and to encourage one another to hang in there in the midst of all that we're going through. Grace is not shut down, we're on mission. We've actually had new people join into uh, uh, these groups and, and have had increased participation because it is virtual. I'm thankful for the technology. In March, I think we had one Zoom account. I think we have 19 now to service the ministries across the board uh, to continue to meet. Virtual isn't our only plan but it will probably continue to be a part of our plan in the future uh, so while we stay on mission. Let me give you an example. We, ha we had ministries that went on break back in May, like MOPS or Quest. But people didn't want to break connecting relationally uh, during the summertime, so they've continued to meet even past the end of the semester. MOPS leaders are calling people up in the course of the week to encourage them to help these young moms stay on, on track, to stay engaged, to not give up, to not lose hope. God used a Zoom call with the elders to bring healing and reconciliation with a family who had gone through a long-term struggle. I'm thankful for the technology it's just a tool that God has given us to stay on mission, to stay connected relationally, to still encourage one another to walk with God. Because guiding people to become like Christ is part of who we are. 
It's what we're supposed to be doing. We're still doing that. We're doing it virtually, but we're also doing it face to face. Let me tell you some stories of how I'm so proud of, of what's going on. We've had limited face-to-face -face gatherings, but they're still happening. We've had ministry leaders come up here and do a tailgate in our parking lot. We've been able to make arrangements for Celebrate Recovery to be back on campus to minister to those in need during this time while remaining socially distant. Last week, 95 of our youth and 25 of our adult leaders went to camp for five days. They're all safe. They're all healthy. We're thankful for that. We've been able to, those that are comfortable in gathering face-to-face -face have done so in their backyards or at the end of their driveways or here in the parking lot or in our courtyard. Almost any time you can come by here and find people meeting at the picnic tables. Like you, they see themselves as ministers and they're turning front porches into counseling rooms. They're turning casual conversations with neighbors at the end of their driveway into an opportunity to offer hope to those who are weary and discouraged. That's what ministers do. People who have the skill and the joy of baking and cooking are turning that into a ministry of encouragement. We've certainly received... Uh, those, and I want to thank those people with those skills. You're nice people, Grace. You always ask people how they're doing. But you've changed that question during this season. You're asking it twice. You're saying, how are you doing to your coworkers? No, really, how are you doing? You're not accepting their polite, dismissive, I'm okay, I'm doing good. No, you want to know how they're doing. And by asking one question twice, you find that people open up and they share with you how they're really doing and what their real needs are and their anxieties and their fears and their stresses and concerns. You are ministers in the workplace by a simple question. Our church hasn't stopped. We've just decentralized during this season. We've told you for years that I'm just a pastor and you're the ministers. You're doing it. Well, look at you now. Look at the way you're ministering in the midst of a pandemic. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what I hear you doing to minister to others. Do you see what I'm trying to say? We're still on mission, Grace. It doesn't matter if we can't gather here on Sunday morning. We're still engaged in relational discipleship virtually and face-to-face. -face. We're still engaged in personal ministry in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. We're still engaged in caring for our flock. There's been hard things that have gone on in the last four months. People are dying, not because of the virus necessarily, but we've had to come alongside in very hard situations. A family lost their daughter in a, in a car accident early on. Their friends 
people in our youth group came by that they love because loving them through a hard thing and a loss is what ministers do. I'm so proud of the youth. <clears throat> they held a prayer vigil in the hospital parking lot. They love because love is what a, a minister does. There's, there are people in our congregation that have lost income. Mysteriously, money gets slipped into their mailbox. We've come alongside and helped pay rent. We continue to minister in our flock. The pandemic certainly has put us in our homes. It's created stress in marriages. You've come alongside people to encourage them and minister to them. We're still on mission. We're still encouraging people to become like Christ in all of life, even in their marriage. Our re-engaged Mayor's discipleship ministry is still open. We've actually added new people in the course of this by doing it virtually. If you need help, get help, whether that's financially or in your marriage. Some people are struggling personally. The stress of this whole season, the isolation of it is causing those things that we try to keep down and suppress in our lives those hurts, habits, and hang-ups to come to the surface. We thought we had it licked, but we don't. And we need a supportive system. Celebrate Recovery is still here on Thursday evenings. The leaders are coming alongside people to minister to them because that's what disciples do. That's what ministers do. We're still on mission. We're still guiding people to become like Christ in all of life. We're still connecting people in relationship, relational discipleship. We're still coming along our flock and meeting their specific emotional and spiritual and and tangible needs for support. We've not just been a church unto ourselves here. We've stepped in to care for our, uh, the greater Austin community in more and more ways during this season. <clears throat> uh, we've sought to do good in the neighborhood, as we call it. We've sought to look actively for ways that we can serve our community during this time of need. The combination of the pandemic, the economic downturn, racial tensions and political turmoil have certainly created particular needs for us to meet, to address. They can't be all met at once or completely or quickly, but we've made a conscious decision to get our resources, our people, and our money into the hands of those groups in Austin that we think minister well to people in need. Over the last four months, we've committed $130,000 over and above our normal giving to these organizations because we feel like supporting them serves our community well. Austin Disaster Relief Network, I think they cross racial and ethnic lines to meet real needs at critical moments in people's lives. I think, from my perspective, 
they have done more than any other organization to get the whole church of Austin, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, rich or poor, in working together to serve for the good of our city. ADRN would tell you it's not them, they're just a network. They are the Church of Austin engaged in service. We've given to, uh, to the food bank because there's a lot of needs out there. We've volunteered twice to, to help or, uh, pack their boxes. The, the money we've been able to give them have, have provided food for hundreds of households. The God of Hope prison ministry what a great ministry. They do relational discipleship in the context of the Travis County jail systems, both at the male and the female units. They had a need. Uh, they had lost their, their, their women's ministry director, and that ministry was in jeopardy of continuing for this year. We wanted to step into that and help give them funds so that they can confidently step out in faith and hire that person so ministry could happen, relational ministry happen. Mission Possible, I've already mentioned them. We gave to their benevolence because they're in contact with, with families of needs. Many of you volunteer with the Restoration Arts Center over in Pflugerville. Those families that you minister to, the moms and the children, are without income, and there was a need to be met. Let me explain this uh, 244 network. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, it became recognized that there were gonna be churches in need because of the economic impact of the pandemic. So ADRN, in, in partnership with the churches uh, and uh, Christian business leaders, set up a fund. And that fund was used to be able to help churches of color keep their lights on, and to have resources so they can minister in their communities. We wanted to be a part of that. We have a project we're rolling out this week with the St. David's Hospital staff on 38th Street. There's 1,200 of their staff that are involved in caring for and serving the, the COVID patients of that hospital. We have an opportunity to write thank you notes to them and we're gonna put in gift cards so that we can encourage them and affirm them because they're on the front lines of this uh, pandemic. Look for more information of that, about that this week. See, it's because you've continued to be generous as a congregation has allowed us to be generous in our neighborhood, in our community. I am so encouraged each month when I get our financial reports. We brace for the worst. We plan for it. But each month, you have continued to give generously. And that has allowed us as a church to be generous to our community. We're still on mission, Grace. We're guiding people to become like Christ in all of life. We're engaging people in relational discipleship. We're encouraging people to engage in personal ministry. A pandemic, economic downturns, racial tensions, political turmoil 
has not stopped us from being the church that God has asked us to be, that he's called us to be. Through your participation, your service, your giving, we are being disciples and ministers to the glory of our God. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of who you are and what you've expressed in this season of time. Now, I know there's still this lingering question of when we're going to gather back on Sunday morning. And we will get there. We don't see that fully happening until probably mid-September. We know that there's churches that are doing that and doing just fine. And we know there's other churches like us that are choosing to wait and not meet yet. Some of you are ready to return and some are not. Now, you might disagree with this path, but know that we are not operating out of fear. We're still fully focused on what God has called us to do, our purpose and values as a church. Our eyes are clearly fixed on Jesus. We're going to continue to monitor the conditions in Austin. We'll seek wise counsel. But above all else, we're seeking to follow the good shepherd, the good great shepherd who loves us and is taking care of us. The leadership will continue to look at the best interest of the broader flock that we serve and lead. Over the last two weeks, Matt and I in our sermons have explained to you the unique period in the Jewish history called the exile, the return, and the rebuilding. I talked to you about what is most important to God is to have a heart fully devoted uh, to, to him. Matt last week shared from Nehemiah the three key uh, attributes that we all should be cultivating that is good for us and it's good for the kingdom of God as well. Courage, humility, and perseverance. In both of those sermons, we've appealed to you to use this season of time to prepare yourself for our return and our rebuilding. Thrive. Thrive. You have permission to thrive during this time, not just survive it. I know it's hard. There is still an unknown number of days ahead of us before this pandemic will be over. No matter how long this season lasts, we as a church will stay on mission because that's what God has called us to do. That's what he's called you to do. We'll continue to guide people to become like Christ in all of life through relational discipleship. We'll engage people in personal ministry We'll encourage people to be transformed by God's grace and by biblical truth. Let's all stay on mission together. As we come into the fall season, we relaunch our ministries. And we'll do that. We're going to start out virtually, and as soon as we can move them on campus, we will. So I want you to encourage you to continue to make the choices you can make. Choose to be engaged in relational discipleship. Those of you who just come here for worship only, 
please join us in relationship, relational discipleship opportunities. Look at our website. Look at those opportunities. Get in groups so that you can be connected relationally with other believers. You can be connected with God's Spirit and with God's Word. I want to encourage you to make the choice to be engaged in ministry. Continue to look for those opportunities to engage with your neighbors or your coworkers or your family members. Seek ways to pray for them and to care for them and to share the hope and love and grace with them. Minister to them with compassion and understanding. You know what it feels like to be fearful, to be anxious, to be angry, to be disappointed or stressed, to be confused or overwhelmed. But what you have that they don't have is God's spirit. It's God's truth. It's a supportive community around you. See, you as a minister get to whisper in their ear in the midst of their anxieties and fears and discouragement and stress the words of Jesus. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. We're on mission, Grace. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the people of grace. I thank you for the Holy Spirit who indwells us, for the word of God that guides us, for the opportunities you provide virtually and face-to-face -face and in ministry to care for one another and to serve our community during this time. Father, you led us into this in your sovereignty, and you will lead us through it. Help us to stay on mission so that we can glorify you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, your care, your love, your comfort and guidance. Let us draw on your wisdom from above to live in these days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I look forward to seeing you face to face.